What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? Happy Monday. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to episode 75 of Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. A little bit about Ping Pong before we get started. We are a market, uh, We provide marketplace sellers and entrepreneurs global solutions for controlling their domestic and international funds. An account with Ping Pong enables companies to significantly reduce their costs when receiving or making international payments all in one platform that helps increase operational efficiencies, saves time, and allows for sellers to manage their business profits from a single source. For more information, there's a lovely link in the comments section below. If you're watching us live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter, go ahead and check that out. And if you want to sign up for a free account, go ahead and find it there. Or if you happen to be listening to this via download on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, truly anywhere where you can download or listen to a podcast, I will be there. So thanks in checking out the show notes for a little bit about our episode today and go ahead and support our guests by following them on social media or just connecting with them on those platforms. But do me a favor and follow, like, and share this episode on social media if you are watching us live. We'd love to spread the word of crossover commerce to everyone in the Amazon and e-commerce community or really just business community. I think that all the insights that we provide on this show really translate to business in general. Because it's an ever-changing landscape, we want to make sure that all the content, whether it's one little nugget you take away from today, or it's just a mind-blowing experience and that it changes your perspective on life entirely, I want to be there somewhere in between. So definitely share this with your social circles on Facebook, LinkedIn, again, YouTube as well. Um, but we go live about four to five times per week, which is a ton of content that I want to bring to you, the audience. So make sure that you share and like us on social media, or you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or you can follow us on our Crossover Commerce Facebook page as well to be notified of what is coming up on the show. In any case, if you uh, like what you hear or you disagree with what we have to say, go ahead and comment in those uh, comment sections on social media. We'll be able to see those and answer those questions real time. If you happen to catch us on Team Replay and watch us dip, uh, a little bit later on in the day or later on this week, maybe, uh, and you happen to catch us, go ahead and let us what you uh, what let us know what you think, and we'll be able to answer any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, or just wanted to say hi for dropping by. Go ahead and put that in there as well. But about our guest today, it's not about me. I'm here every single day with you, the audience, but about our guest today, he has been in e-commerce since starting a drop shipping business back in 2014. He has been on entrepreneurial roller coaster and sold his business back in 2019. So he's exited his e-commerce business, which we'll dive a little bit into. Um, and since he's started the next level uh, e-commerce podcast and is now co-founded uh, Summit e-commerce advisors, which provides bookkeeping services and coaching program and about summer e-commerce advisors, they are on a mission to double the profits of 1,000 e-commerce companies by the time that they have, are all said and done. That's a 10-year mission to the moon. Uh, to get there, currently, they provide bookkeeping services and a coaching program that helps business owners build teams and systems. Great content we're going to be bringing you today. So I want to welcome to the show Isaac Smith of Summer e-commerce advisors. Isaac, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Hey, Ryan, thanks so much for having me. I got to say, that was an epic intro, man. 
Good job. I got to update it. I, I'm, on my, <laughs> I'm on my team. I'm like with the video and everything like that. I've done this a couple of times like you have, but uh, it, it's getting a lot easier to, to intro people. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. For, for those watching and listening, like you may not know, but from one, one podcaster to another, like serious chops, man. Good, good work. That's I know Appreciate that's it. no joke. <laughs> Hopefully I have another subscriber now or two, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it's a natural thing. Like I, I never like, this is the funny thing I love telling people, especially when I'm a a guest is I never like putting my stuff on a resume of my, my accomplishments and whatnot, because it just seems so like forced, but almost to a point is once you can kind of line it up on paper and you kind of see what you've accomplished over time, it makes it kind of more of a reality. You're like, holy shit, I have actually done a lot of good things in, in life and I'm not you know, I have some expertise and I have a perspective to share with people. So I don't know if you're like that, but anytime I hear myself and accomplishments, I'm like, uh, hopefully that's a, a good thing that <laughs> I put on paper or maybe people yeah. think like, oh, that's it. So I'm yeah. not sure if that's any, like if you can relate to or not, but. Oh, the, the imposter <laughs> syndrome is real. <laughs> yes. Well, I, yeah. 100%. I don't know if anyone can walk into a space and just say, oh yeah, like bow down to me. I don't, I think everyone's always like a little bit intimidated to like say all the accomplishments they have I, it, a little bit, like it could be a lie. It could be a little bit, but uh, it's always something that you never get used to. I, I think like it's, uh, I don't know when you, you know, talk to your guests and whatnot and they go through the whole resume of, wow, that's impressive. Like, I don't think anyone has never been impressive on resume uh, when they've gone, come on the show. Yeah. Well, that's part of why I love, I love story and I love, I love telling the real stories. That's that's what mm-hmm. we get into in my podcast. Is you know we we all hear the the happy ending stories and everything just worked out great. But everybody knows that's not how it works in real life. No way. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we I love love getting into the the truth. So then when you put it in that perspective, um, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable and confident uh, talking about things when we really you know it, it's not always rosy. Yeah, absolutely. And again, for everyone who's watching, I just want to give a shout out, quick shout out to uh, uh, Kumar for watching on Facebook and then uh, our team, you know, teams who are watching on uh, LinkedIn and then man, know the guest intro. Oh, well, we already talked about that. So yeah, getting right into Isaac. Isaac, I think they want to know a little bit more about you, like that background of like your podcast and like how you got to where you are. You sold on the Amazon, you dabbled in a little bit of everything and now you own your own you know, consulting agency, let's uh, dive right into it. First, what's kind of that background? What's the love story of Isaac and like how he got to where he is? Like, tell tell us everything. Okay. Well, I guess to start, um, I guess we can start back before I even thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was an architect. I was designing oh, buildings nice. and wanted to do. I was excited and passionate, but, you know, real life sets in and it turns out there's a lot more to this kind of work than I ever imagined. It, 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 it ended up not being what I liked to do. So about eight, eight years in, uh, is when I actually decided, you know what, I gotta, I gotta quit this whole thing. Um, but I, a few years before that I was realizing, well, you know, this isn't really what I think I'm meant to be doing with my life. And so I started learning about entrepreneurship, different options and, stumbled onto e-commerce, stumbled into drop shipping, and that's really where I got my start. And so, yeah, eventually I, I started a business, quit my job, 
moved across the country into my parents' house with sold, had talked my wife into selling our condo and quitting her job too. Uh, we had a five-year-old daughter at the time, <laughs> moved in with my parents so that I could make us rich. And uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> the way didn't I have told it, her, right? it would. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. so that's the thing. So, so when you got into e-commerce, you said like this was something to supplant almost what you were doing in architecture. So, what what does that conversation look like to family? Because this is the conversation I love listening to. Like, how do you not sell your family and loved ones? How what's what are like the the pros and the cons? Like, is it just you focus on? Income is more of like, hey, I want to spend more time with you guys, and this can kind of like unhinge me from the chains of nine to five. Or what is that like having a conversation like that with your wife and your five year old uh, daughter? I don't, I don't think you're having this with your five year old daughter, but <laughs> maybe your wife. Well, she knows what's <laughs> happening, but yeah, that's tough, man. It's um, it, it's not a sudden thing, and it's a it's an exploration of. I've been doing this for a few years. There's some things I don't like about it. And then that feeling gets stronger over time. And I think probably a lot of people watching this can relate if they used to work a, a nine to five type job and then eventually just realize, whoa, there's something deeply troubling here about me and how I fit in here. And um, that just that just sort of grew on me over years. And Eventually, I got to the point where I, I, I got to get out of here. I, I'm having like panic attacks almost like I just I got to get out. I hate I hate this. And it's not necessarily the architecture. It's that was hard, but it was mostly, you know, not being in charge of my own destiny. I think uh, not getting to spend time doing the things I like to do. Uh, you know, that's not having that adventure of. I'm in charge of this, and it, if it if it succeeds, that's on me. If it fails, that's on me too. Um, and so, uh, my wife knew that this was coming, um, and so we we talked about it for years. But eventually, I was like, so it started out with I was trying to build this e-commerce business at the same time, and I did that for about ten months. Um, while I was doing my nine to five and I got some traction and then I, I told her, listen, you know, we could keep going this and, and me spending an hour or two in the evenings every night, uh, can get us somewhere, but I think I can make progress a lot faster if I just totally quit and we move in with my parents, save money. Um, and you know, I got to give her all credit, all credit. Cause like, I don't think. Many wives would go along with something like that. Not you know, move in with in-laws or, yeah, move in with in-laws yeah. and jump in with something that you have no idea if it's going to be successful or not. So, I mean, kudos to you guys to making it work. Is that something your wife like jumped in with you to like help or was she doing other things as well? No, she, so the plan was we'd move in with my parents and she would find a job out here. Uh, here, so um, we you were living in the Washington D.C. area, we, and I grew up oh, nice. in the Portland, Oregon area. So we moved back here. This is where we live now in Portland. Um, and so the the idea was, well, we're still going to have some expenses, and so she's going to find a job out here, uh, have that covered, and then I will uh, work on my business and be full time uh, business entrepreneur. 
and full-time stay-at-home dad, which right. is not always easy to balance, uh, but that no. was the plan. Yeah, everyone can kind of attest to that, especially with uh, lockdowns and whatnot. You get a sense of, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, like you, you, have, you have the kids running around doing podcast live, had uh, children running into the shot <laughs> or just want to like, hey, I know you, I've heard of you and your name. And I'm like, please don't say anything like embarrassing, please. Uh, but yeah, it, it's fun to to have that home life. So you've, you jumped in full fledged. This was 2014. You're doing this uh this transition yeah. i would say 2015 2014 yeah, so, yeah 2015 uh we moved in it, we we drove across the country and we arrived here like a, a couple days after new year 2015. okay so starting brand new and fresh in 2015 that you exited your business in 2019 so you have about four years of growth doing this full-time is that fair to say yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was not, it was not easy. Um, and in fact, the business that I had started before we moved out here, I ended up failing that one, uh, several months in after we moved. So that was, you know, that was stressful. Like, you know, Hey honey. <laughs> so, we, so it didn't go to according to plan. It was, no. you, you left, you left, uh, did no, that and you're no. like a few months. Oh crap. I might have yeah. made a mistake. What's that going through your head? Is it like, let's prevail, let's let's make something work? Or how, how's that process work in your head? Well, like we all know, this entrepreneur's journey is a roller coaster. And um, I had such a burning passion behind me. Like, um, to me, like, motivation is not... I know we all have our own struggles, but personally, I don't struggle with motivation. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the the pain I was leaving. Um, and, but you know that that so it felt painful. It was discouraging and frustrating, and I felt like I was wasting a lot of time. I wasted. I did, you know, quote unquote, waste a lot of time on that. Um, but you know what? There's another one. Start another one. Start something else. There was some reason that didn't work. Keep going. Try it again a little differently. Um, and that's what I did. And it and it took quite a while uh, for the next thing that I, that I did, uh, the next drop shipping store. Um, and when I say drop shipping, I know um, there's a lot of variations. I'm ta talking about high ticket drop shipping, uh, okay. which is quite different than what I think a lot of people have in mind. But yeah, I mean, it took quite a while for that thing to gain any sort of traction, but eventually it did. And um, so, you know, and even so then, because you, you know. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, so you, because you didn't have any, like, th this business, you have to rely on a lot of, like, either marketing or some sort of, like, business, you know, connections in terms of building this. What What's that like starting a dropshipping business? Because not a lot of people actually, like, go into that right away, they either start, you know, their own private label brand now, or more um, wholesaling. I mean, there's obviously different ways to get into it. But drop shipping mm -hmm. is a little bit a different monster for people who don't understand, maybe the drop shipping difference of the business, especially on Amazon, what are the different things that you have to be aware of and kind of like, hey, I have to be aware of x, y, and z, what are those different things that are different than like starting your own private label? Yeah, I guess it would be helpful to have just a little uh, brief overview here of what I, what drop ship what drop shipping is and what I'm talking about when I say sure. high ticket drop shipping. So drop 
dropshipping means that you are selling products, but you don't actually hold any of the inventory. You have relationships with suppliers who, when you take a sale, whether that's on Amazon or a Shopify store or some other type of platform, you take a sale, you know, it could be eBay, it could be anywhere. Um, then you reach out to your supplier and say, hey, we've got the sale, please ship item X to this customer, here's the address. Um, so, the, so to the customer, they're buying from you and you are ultimately responsible, but you don't hold, you don't have a warehouse, you don't hold any of the inventory. So mm -hmm. that's drop shipping uh, as an overview. When I say high ticket drop shipping, I'm talking about selling products that are say a minimum $300, often much more expensive. So the business that I sold, uh, was it sold salon furniture. So if you ever go get your hair cut or uh, go into a nail salon or go to get a massage, any of, any of the furniture inside of there, um, that's what I sold. So the chairs, the tables, the mirrors, all of that stuff. So sometimes the orders could be very large, $30,000 or more. Um, not always. Uh, but yeah, uh, the average order value is definitely over a thousand dollars, which is very different so than, uh, other types of e-commerce businesses. Right. So doing that, why, why did you uh, settle on this, these kinds of products? Like those are a expensive to ship. Like I can imagine mm -hmm. what your shipping bills would be. Uh, but yeah. B, you know, those are very niche obviously, which is what you want to go for. Is that, is that a, are those products that just had a really good market? Um, online or like, I don't even know how you would go about finding that. I don't think business owners are going on Amazon or like, I need a salon dryer or a massage table. I, I instantly don't think about that, but it, obviously you were the expert back then. So, uh, maybe educate us and why that field. Sure. Well, um, I guess it goes back to the beginning, you know, when I was starting thinking about stepping out and doing some sort of entrepreneurship, you know, um, I listened to. Pat Flynn, you know, all the, the original online business guys. And um, I didn't really understand this idea of a, a niche website and affiliate marketing and all of that. And when I finally heard somebody talking about e-commerce, like here, take money and send somebody a physical item, I thought that made a lot more sense. And so when I started diving into like all of the different e-commerce business models available, um, it was, of course, of course, there's actually back then I didn't hear anybody talking about private labeling. Um, but I did hear some people talking about drop shipping on some podcasts mm -hmm. like e, uh, e-commerce fuel with Andrew, Andrew Udarian, um, shout out to him. Um, he's, I think he's the one who first brought me my awareness to the idea of drop shipping. And I thought, wow, that's really an easy, like I don't have to buy a whole bunch of inventory so I can actually start a physical products business super cheap would just build a website and start selling things. Yeah, that, uh, that seemed like a good idea. So actually I did find a, a course that walks you step by step. It's called dropship lifestyle, by the way, mm -hmm. shout out, um, takes you step by step through the process of finding a market, finding products, getting them on a website, starting to, to run, you know, marketing to those products and taking sales. Interesting. So, so because you're drop shipping, you don't actually own the inventory, right? What, what numbers do you have to be worried about? Obviously shipping costs, 
listing class, like what are the things that you have to be aware of to be a successful dropshipper? Um, yeah, so really the, the risks are low, which is why it's a nice business model. Um, the margins are lower than if you're taking the, you're buying the inventory yourself. So, um, the, so where we start, if you start a business like this, you're looking for products over a few hundred dollars. Um, and you're looking for, you, you start reaching out to suppliers, you get pricing and you want to make sure that of course they're going to give you pricing that's going to have enough margin for you to make a good profit. So you want to be looking for around 30% as an average, but I find like 20% on the low end. Um, I hear some people talking about 50%, but I've never actually seen that. That's a nice um, product. If you're getting 50% yeah. on drop shipping. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you do have to be aware of shipping. How big are these items? So the first store that I failed was a remote controlled cars uh, and trucks. And, and actually I sold drones. That was like when drones were starting to become popular. Nice. Um, so those of course were lighter than like a pedicure chair, which might cost $400 to ship across the country. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you just, you have to be aware of this, but, but my approach is always experiment and put it up there, see, sell something and then, you know, uh, see how it goes and then use that as a lesson. And, uh, if you need to tweak your pricing, tweak, tweak your shipping pricing. Um, eventually I got to the point where I could just look at an item and I'd say, yeah, I think that's going to cost about 175 to ship. And sure enough, I'd be pretty close. So it became really intimate with the whole shipping portion of like how, how much it was going to cost to fulfill and, or I should say, uh, ship it across country. So, cause you didn't own anything where, so did you have to work with like a, a third party shipping company or like what, what's kind of like that business practice? Because if it's not being picked up by Amazon, you have to fulfill yourself. Who are you working with in these regards? Yeah. So when you start reaching out to your suppliers, you work out all those details with them. Are we going to use our shipping account, UPS <laughs> account? Are you going? And I've heard people doing, you know, a variety of things, but uh, for me and my businesses, the the suppliers that I worked with have always handled that uh, because they're shipping out. They have way more volume than I do, and so their price pricing is a lot better with freight and UPS and all of those. And so they'll just pass that cost on along to me as my cost of goods. Uh, okay. And I just approve the invoice and they ship. Gotcha. So how do you how do you grow a business like this? Is it you just take on more from that client or that? Uh you know, manufacturer, uh, how do you, how do you scale a drop shipping business? Good question. Um, so drop shipping, I think is, is different. It's different in some ways than other types of e-commerce, but it's also the same. Um, it's marketing, knowing your customer, have, having a good product, presenting it well with your listing, um, and then driving traffic to people who want to buy from people who want to buy those products to your listing. It's same as Amazon, same, but of course the tactics are a little different. Um, my biggest channel was Google shopping, uh, which is paid, paid advertising to a mm -hmm. product listing, which, um, somewhat similar to like an Amazon PPC right. ad. That makes sense um, to me because this is so niche in terms of like mm -hmm. salon products and whatnot. You think, 
But at least this is maybe maybe where I'm coming from. It you do the research online, you're searching like I'm I want to be a salon owner. I don't know where to purchase this. It's not like in a Rolodex of like catalogs or things like that. But if you're researching online and you happen to be serving ads to people who are looking for, you know, salon chairs, uh, purchasing mm-hmm. salon chairs or whatnot, you're bidding on that. They're like, oh, this is great. Like this is what it costs and you don't have to go down a rabbit hole of like working with a distributor or wholesaler or anything like that. You have someone who's directly ready fulfill it, to fulfill it to them. So I miss that. That's where I'm coming from. That makes yep. sense to me. Why like Google shopping makes most sense. Exactly. Awesome. And then of course, so, you know, yeah, that's, that's the place you start. And then of course there's lots of other types of marketing that you could do. You could create content, um, all kinds of stuff you can do. Right. That's awesome. So did you stick within that, that arena of, uh, or did you like grow your business outside of that product or those kinds of products, I should say? Well, I failed myself into that product (laughs) as I like to say. And, and what I mean by that is I actually started with these home massage chairs, like the things you might see in, um, like Brookstone or the, the robotic chairs that'll massage the sharper image. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Um, but I couldn't get that to work. I think I sold one. And so I was like, crap. Okay. Well, I have a, a store, a business that's called Aria chairs. What other types of chairs could I sell? And so I just started going down the list. I, w- I went into like living room. Okay. Recliners, couches, what else can I do? So I started selling those, but they were not profitable. So crap. Okay. Home theater. How about that? Couldn't get any sales for that. And then eventually I was about to give up. Actually, I was, I have a master, I had a mastermind and they were telling me, you know, you, you're going to have to call it quits here eventually if you can't get something to work. And I thought, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, and so uh, the, my last ditch effort was there was this thing that I had never heard of called a pedicure chair. And I found it when I searched for massage chairs because they have this massage thing in the back. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but well, why not? Let's try this. So I contacted a supplier and said, Hey, can I sell this? They said, sure. And, uh, so I put that on the website, ran some ads to it. And like three days later had a sale. Whoa. For like (laughs) $5,000. And I got to keep a thousand. That was my margin on that. And so like, Okay, here's something that works. Let and then just see if I can do this. So that's how it All got it started. All it took was one for you to sell you, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, I make a thousand bucks. Like, hey, that's on one sale. Yeah, that's on one sale. That, that's, that works. That's for what me. a lot of people make in sometimes in a week. So to come out pure profit, a thousand bucks. That's not bad. Yeah, that, that makes math a lot more simple. <laughs> just be like, hey, I want to make this much money. I want to make six figures this year. All right, looks like I'm making, you know. Or selling, you know, what is that? A hundred thousand yeah. or whatever. All that I need is a hundred of those. Very hundred of those yeah. units. Yeah, exactly. So interesting. So, so that how that was what sold you in that regards. Is there, how do you, how do you, and I know kind of like we're going to go down numbers and I really want to stay true to that topic of what, what about competition? Because competition in terms of drop shipping, is that probably the most difficult arena to like work in, in terms of, being competitive and knowing your numbers and like having to compete with someone who's like, Hey, I'll sell it for X, Y, and Z or something like that. What, what are the, the numbers behind it in the competition factor, like super competitive market? What, what are, 
What does that look like? Yeah. So yeah, that is an important thing. And that goes back to your product and niche market research. Uh, When you're selecting a business, and it's the same on Amazon, uh, although just slightly different, you're, you're looking for demand. Is this something that people are buying? And you're also looking for competition. Who is out there selling this product or this type of product? And can't, is there too much competition that I'm going to have a really hard time breaking through? Or am I going to be able to, um, to handle this? And so, so you're really looking for a balance. And I know that when you're selling on Amazon, because I did sell on Amazon for a while in a separate thing, um, but um, you're looking for metrics. You're looking for a, a market with a demand and you're looking for competition. And then, of course, product availability. Can I actually get this? Can I get this on a margin that makes sense for me that I can pay for the ads that's going to allow me to, uh, you know, to beat the competition? Like, so that's, there's a whole bunch of dials that you, you've got to kind of get right. And I think that's the same, uh, whether, wherever you're selling. That's awesome. I mean, well, and so you did that for four years, you exit your business. What's that conversation like that decision process of, Hey, I've done this for this long. I want to venture into something else. Or is it something like I can't scale it anymore? I need to find somebody who's willing to take it off my plate. What, what is that conversation like? Yeah, well, that's something uh, I think is going to be everyone's going to have their own uh, goals and desires. And me personally, like I said, pedicure chair, I had never heard of a pedicure chair before I sold one. And (laughs) so like I have zero interest in, you know, manicures and, you know, like that's just not and I don't have anything in common with my customers. So like four years is a pretty good run for a store that I have like zero you probably personal. More about, yeah, I was going to say, you probably <laughs> learned more about pedicure chairs than you oh, ever man. thought you would in your life. I could tell you all about a pedicure chair, the bowls and the jets and the pipes and all of that stuff. Um, I, I think it's important that you have passion for gr- growing a business. I don't personally think that you have to be passionate about the products you're selling, although okay. that helps. Um, but I was passionate about growing the business, building the business, building the team, all of that stuff. Um, but eventually it was like, okay, I, there's some other things in in my life that I want to do. Um, and, and I've kind of had enough of this (laughs) and, and of course, like we, like we discussed, there's, we all have this emotional roller coaster and, you know, I go through, you know, enough of those lows and it's like, okay. The next time, next time I crawl out of this hole, um, I, I think I've had enough. <laughs> well, you and, walked away, and yeah, you probably like were able to comfortably have a nest egg to for your next business adventure. I'm assuming, like, that's, yeah, that's ultimately like you had a goal in mind. I'm sure there's monetary thresholds you have to meet. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're buying this, when you're exiting a dropshipping business, what are the assets that are being negotiated on? Is that a brand? Is that a supply chain? What What is that? Or relationship? What is the value in the assets that you're quote unquote selling? Yeah, absolutely. And it, this is actually quite similar to any type of e-commerce business. Um, you're when you're selling a business, you're selling the the assets and the um, 
essentially what what buyers really want to buy is an income so you, essentially you're selling an income um, now when you have inventory of course buyers are buying inventory along with it um, but when you don't have inventory they're just buying the business on the hopes that when they take over they're going to be able to continue taking that income um, and so essentially what you're selling is the website and the, your, your uh, systems and your, all the platforms you're using, all, everything that you have set up to allow you to generate that income. And of course, that comes with your team as well. Um, so that's- is there, more risk, is there more risk with purchasing a dropshipping business than a private label? Mm, I think, it, I think it, there's a risk buying any business Right. And I don't think one has more risk than another. That's my personal opinion. Um, I, I wasn't sure. Like, I have no idea, opinions. like, if there's a risk tolerance for either or. I know that in business in general. But is there, like, a there's more assets to to really have to hone in in one versus the other? Like I said, inventory management is, I, I would feel like, is a big thing if you are owning, like, the supply chain, the logistics, everything like that. But more often, that's... That's the equivalency of having a relationship with a, you know, a distributor or supplier or wholesaler on this other and that you're getting the goods from and selling those. So I'd almost think you're buying one of the two equivalency, like they're almost yeah. equivalent of both. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as a buyer, if you're looking to buy a business, you're, you hopefully have some criteria in mind and hopefully you have some expertise that you can apply to whatever business you're buying, whether that's a form of your team, like if you're a private equity group and you, you have a team that just you can apply to all of these things, or if you're a solo type operator and you're really good at SEO or something like that, you know, hopefully you have uh, some realm of expertise. Now, along with that, maybe you have expertise in supply chain management and inventory management. And if that's the case, then definitely buying an inventory based business is probably what you should do. Um, if not, maybe drop shipping is a better way to go. Now, the, the complicating factor in uh, a inventory based business is that supply chain. Uh, the but if you're selling on Amazon, which it sounds like a lot of listeners are, of course, you know, you don't have much customer service to do because Amazon takes care of so much of that, including the fulfillment. But if you're, if you're selling on a website of your own, such as a, a Shopify based site, you are doing all of your customer service and you're doing all of the fulfillment, even though you're not shipping the item, you have to coordinate fulfillment. And on large items, there are complications, there are shipping problems and, you know, things come up. So, so there ends up being quite a lot of customer service in a high ticket dropshipping business. And that's really where it's your, your do or die. Like you've got to be able to do the customer service well. And hopefully if you're buying a, a business that they'll, they'll have some team in place that handles that. Um, but of course, if you have expertise in that type of customer service, um, you, you can, of course, improve on whatever they have going on. So, so there's complicating sides to every, any business and you just got to choose which one is right for you. Right. So I think that makes a natural segue over to 
the team building aspect that you like and your your business actually now really kind of touts apart from the numbers growing a team is really important for lots of businesses to grow at scale and i think a lot of people are seeing that in e-commerce especially in 2020 there's opportunities to grow not just domestically but internationally but with that each business owner can only scale so much by themselves whether it's lack of time resources knowledge whatever it might be you can only do so much by yourself that being said where do you and your business kind of come in and say hey look this is how we help you build a team this is what you maybe need to look at this is what i personally drew from and this is how you can scale it from there so what's that how do, how do you have that conversation with new and aspiring growth business owners yeah Absolutely. And I love this topic because this is something, you know, the entrepreneur's favorite word is scale, right? This is all we talk about. We want to 10x everything. And that's great. But there's a lot of reality that gets left by the wayside when when we talk about start talking about scale, because almost always when people talk about scale, they're only talking about marketing and sales and the latest Facebook ads hack or the late, you know, like all of this stuff. And that stuff is all great. But think about just this is I like I'd like to frame the conversation with this. Yes, please. Right <laughs> now, before you want to 10x or even 2x would be great, right? But right now, that means you are at 1x, right? So right now, think about your business right now. You have some problems, you have challenges, you have difficulties right now at 1x. Now, if you 10x, imagine 10x, that means 10 times the problems that you have right now, are you going to be able to handle it or is it going to crush you and destroy your business and put you out of business? Because that's really what happens with a lot of businesses that scale too fast is they end up going out of business. And... Um, and no, <laughs> nobody wants that. So it's important to, you know, have a whole, really think through what it is that you mean by scale. Now, scale can be any number of things. You can scale the time that you're working, which is what a lot of people right. do, right? <laughs> right? So you got to think about what, it, what do you mean when you scale and, and, and always think of that long term. Well, what does this actually look like when I get there? Because if you can't see that picture in your mind, it's it's not going to work out. It's not a good so, business decision, probably. Yeah. So so, so think yeah. about like if you had ten times the number of problems and difficulties and challenges now, would you be able to fulfill all of those orders? Because it's one thing to take sales, but then if you can't fulfill, you start getting chargebacks. Your payment processor. Uh, you know, bands, you know, they put your money on hold first and then, oh, yeah, right. You know all about this, right? If you get so many chargebacks, they'll, they'll hold, you know, some portion of your money for six months. And then if you still can't get your act together, then they cut you off entirely. Then you can't take any more sales. That's really what we're talking about here. So if you want to get to 10x or 2x, you've got to think like, okay, so now if I do get there, what am I going to need to have in place so that I can handle this successfully and my customers love me and they're happy? That's what you need. So what's that, what's that process like then? If I'm, if I'm at 1x, 
is it, it's a incremental step. Like you have to take baby steps. You can't just jump from one to 10. Like it's impossible. You said scale too quickly. You get burnt out. Like there's an easy way to like supplement things as it comes. What does that look like? Is that hiring more people? Is that adding more inventory? Like what are the things that you as a business owner have to, to bring on slowly, but it builds to eventually that 10 X level. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right there. And to, to frame this as, um, we all want the results tomorrow. I do too right. in my business, but <laughs> we suck. Um, we suck as Americans. We want things instantly. Like it has yeah. to happen now or I'm, I'm out. I'm going to find something else to give me instant satisfaction, but that's not how business works. It's, it, it's a process and people just think it happens so quickly. And even though there is innovation that happens quickly, that's not how business w- works and yeah. develops. Like, you said you you built this thing out over four years. I'm assuming along the lines, it's a lot of curse words. It's a lot of like failures. <laughs> and then, like you said, yeah. the roller coaster starts. The lows are not as low. They they the highs are higher, but the lows don't get as low. But they yeah. still are low. So exactly, we we are here to help people. You know, incrementally grow at a point so they can put in the hard work. And then, if they want to exit their business or build a brand out, they can do that. But if you do it too quickly, again, that's where failure really rears its head. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, it's great to have big dreams and big goals. And I'm not against that at all. In fact, I have my own. Um, But you have to understand that it's just not possible without killing yourself. Um, Sometimes. Sometimes it is. There, There are unicorns in the world, right? But not all of us are unicorns. And so, yeah, that it's that inter incremental approach. And this is, you asked like, how do I fit in? Like I've made all the mistakes <laughs> that's, you know, I've learned from these mistakes. I've learned some pretty hard lessons and uh, I've learned what not to do. And so, you know, when hiring, you know, you, it, I think a lot of us, I don't know who all is going to be listening to the show. If they're all, if they're going to be solopreneurs or if they've got a small team or a large team, but when we talk about scale, yeah, definitely. So you think, okay, if you're if you're in a inventory based business and there's a lot of time being spent talking with suppliers, managing that, putting in orders, checking things, you know, like if that's taking up a significant amount of time and you want to launch ten more products or double your product line or whatever your goal is, who's gonna do that work? You? Okay, if that's you, are you still going to have time to do all the marketing as well? Okay, probably not. So then think like, okay, well, which of these things are you best suited for? Which do you love to do? Um, and which should you hire somebody else who can maybe, it may, it may be at first not be as good as you, but that's okay because they're going to learn and then eventually they're going to be much better than you. Um, so yeah, you just got to think through like what I like to do is I use the the methodology laid out in the book traction, um, where they talk about putting together an accountability chart, which is a fancy word for an org chart. And so if you start to map out your business where you would like it to be, not where it is currently, but all of the functions that you're going to need somebody to do. And if you're a solopreneur, you just put your name in all of those boxes. But then you you look at that and you think, okay, well, what do I need to um, what do I need to delegate now? 
uh, which is the thing that's taking up most of my time or the thing I hate the most or whatever. Okay, find somebody to do that. And, and it just it goes from there. And, and you, you need to just be okay with incremental improvement. And it doesn't have to be slow incremental improvement, but it has to be this incremental approach, I think. Otherwise, right. let me give you an example. So uh, in my company, Summit Ecommerce Advisors, we launched uh, this business uh, just over a year ago, January of last year, oh, right into the congrats. pandemic. Right. Thank you. Yeah, that's perfect timing, right? Yes. And um, so, you know, I had sold the business, the, uh, the dropshipping store, Aria Chairs. I had sold that uh, in April of 2019. And so I spent the rest of that year just kind of figuring out what I'm doing, launching a podcast, and then finding a partner for this bookkeeping business. And so we launched in January. And, um, you know, I had all of these ideas of like, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to sign people up. We're going to get sales. We have a monthly service. We're going to be at X number by September, October, right? By toward right. The, the end of this year. And that didn't happen. And so I felt kind of bad about myself. But what I learned in last year was such a tremendous learning experience for me because even though I know these things, internalizing and actually doing is something different. And so what I learned was to provide a service, a bookkeeping service, is actually much different than you expect. Me coming from an e-commerce background, I've never provided a service. It's actually a pretty huge learning curve. Um, and we had to build our team. We had to put systems in place so that we could, you know, deliver what we promise every month, you know, on a rhythm, you know, making our customers happy, not making anybody mad because, and, and so if we had, if we had take, taken on as many customers as I wanted to, if we had actually scaled that revenue, I'm, so when I say these things about scale, I'm speaking from experience. Um, if we had done that, if we had grown our sales to that number that I wanted, we, it would have destroyed us, crushed us, we'd have made everybody mad, and word would have sped, spread quickly, right? So it was frustrating to have to slow down my goals and work on the back-end systems, work on that fulfillment and make sure that we're making people happy, but it was required, simply required no matter what i wanted that was required and so even though services are a little different than uh e-commerce think about that think about that if you're taking all these orders you're unable to fulfill you you send a crappy product you set if if you if you're selling on amazon and your product sucks and you get bad reviews you get poor seller feedback amazon shuts down your account like that right right Never there <laughs> is yeah so like th this this topic of uh operations is critical no matter where you sell or what you sell whether it's services or products right so before like i know we were already like, almost at the top of the hour quickly what why why bookkeeping like what about it was like this is missing in the market like this is a need some people aren't doing it right. Like what, what was that conversation like? And you guys were like, yep, this is the service we need in this space and we're going to roll with it. Like what, what was that kind of conversation like with yourself or your partner? 
whomever you're working with. Yeah. Well, um, it was, it came from everything that I'm doing now comes from my own experience and, um, running an e-commerce business. I didn't have a handle on my numbers. I mean, I thought I did, but I didn't, I understood the unit economics. And when I say that, I mean like the margins on products sold. Um, but I didn't really understand the whole thing. I didn't understand the cash flow part. Uh, and like, why, why does my profit and loss sheet have this nice looking number? But then when I go look in my bank account, it's like, hang on, are we talking about the same month here? Who took my money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think almost everybody can can resonate with that, like this confusion, like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, what? What is this? Um, and, you know, I was, I, I hired accountants. I was, I, it wasn't just me doing my own stuff, but it was just like, they didn't understand me. I didn't understand them. I kind of thought that the information they gave me was wrong, but they could never explain why, what, you, you know, like all of this stuff and like cash flow, like all just a total confusing mess. And so eventually before I sold my business, I, I wasn't I wasn't confident in what I was provided to give to the broker. I wanted to make sure I actually had good numbers because I'm selling right. this business. The buyer deserves that. I deserve that. And so I did my own deep dive. I just learned and then when I figured it all out, I, I started, it's like, it's like I, I, I put on new glasses or something and I could see the world more clearly. Like, oh, that's what's sense. going on in my business. <laughs> okay. And, and actually, you know, there was a time, we don't have time to get into the story, but there were times, like we said, there's that roller coaster. And there were times when I was feeling really low and I thought, you know, my business wasn't doing great. But if, but I actually, when I had the numbers, I learned that, well, actually, yeah, the top line revenue was declining, but I was becoming more profitable on those sales. And I could see that, you know, I could see the cash flow working better. And I could see that, like, actually, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> I don't have to be so stressed out. That's what bookkeeping is to me and um good bookkeeping and so right. that's what i decided then then after i sold the business i talked with a lot of people and this thing kept coming up because people would say oh you sold your business great I, did you have to provide all this finance stuff like i don't understand what's going on here and i had enough of those conversations where i realized wow there's a, there's a genuine need for someone who understands e-commerce to mm -hmm. provide this service and this this understanding a service with an explanation and understanding to people who need it and so that that's so how you, that started so you guys are on the roadmap to help a thousand e-commerce businesses sellers like that's your goal where are we at now like what year in are we at you guys have helped a couple hundred you've you said you're you're not to a thousand so i'm assuming it's less is it oh like, no what's that like We've got to first figure out how to keep track of this. <laughs> well, so not there so yet. Here, no, we're not, we're not there yet. I know that's at least a couple, um, to double, I mean, it takes some serious work to double your profits. And so right. there's some reasons why we talk about doubling profits because one revenue is not going to pay your, your bills. It's not going to make your family happy. It's the profit, 
right? And we all fo fixate so much on that top revenue number, but really it's the profit that matters. And so we want to help you double, double that. And so with bookkeeping, uh, well, first of all, why we're starting with bookkeeping is, okay, you have a goal. You want to double your profit. You want to 2x a number. First, you need to know what that number is. You need, you need to know what your 1x is. And, and amazingly, very, very few people really do know what that 1x is and understand it. And so that's where we're starting. Um, once we have that number, then we can be begin the process to figure out like, okay, what's next? How can we begin to make an improvement on that? And you can do that. Bookkeeping will help you. It will, like I said, it'll help you understand those ebbs and flows better. It'll give you more confidence. It'll give you the information you need to make better decisions. For example, if there's a product that's not very profitable, but it's getting you the most sales, and there's a product that is highly profitable and it's giving you half as many sales, but it's less work and it's easy, lower maintenance, maybe you should shift some of your focus, your marketing focus, whatever. Um, once you have that information, you can make those decisions, but you can't make those decisions without that information. Um, and so that's what we want to provide. Also, so of course, there's other financing things that you can do to begin, you know, using your money smarter and we could talk about those things. Sounds like you had something to say. Oh, no, I was going to say, so like there's a starting point, like every person, this is the thing that most people are missing. It is that one thing. It's the hey, you got to know your basics, right? And your basics are dot, dot, dot. And that's where you guys are starting with customers. That way they understand where they're coming from. Then you're like, all right, now that we know the basics, next steps are this. And like, it's yeah. that journey of like taking a step up and, and walking through it. But if they don't know where they're at currently, you can't help them progress forward. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you want a 10X, you want a 2X even, but you know, how would we even know if we got there? Well, exactly. You need to know. You got to quantify everything. Exactly. Yeah. So, so before we leave, my final question is like, what's the number one thing that people are just missing in terms of numbers uh, across the board? Like, is it just knowing profitability? Is it knowing like, what's that one thing? It's knowing them. <laughs> <laughs> Having okay. So here's the thing. Um, we could talk all about the all of the details, but if if you don't have your your profit, your bottom line profit. If you don't have your, so that that requires having, uh, having an income statement, a, a profit and loss sheet that has your sales number, it has your cost of goods, it has all your other expenses. So you have to have that, and then your bottom line. What is your actually mo actual monthly profit? If you don't have that every single month, you need to start there. I know a lot of people say, oh, my accountant takes care of that. We do that for taxes once a year. That means there are 12 months out of the year that you have zero information about the performance of your business. That is not acceptable if you want to grow your business. It, you, Especially if that accountant doesn't work for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, guess it, it worked for you, like not part of the business. Yeah. Um, you, simply put, like you are... you. I, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and I say you cannot scale if you don't have those reports every single month. You just can't. Uh, there will be a limit 
because you, because here's the the thing is business and life but we're talking business is all about allocating resources where they're going to be used effectively right and we business owners we have a lot of energy we have a lot of ideas we can make we can move things but without the information the knowing of where where we are being efficient and effective we're totally wasting we're wasting so much energy time money resources people on things that are not moving the needle but you don't know that you need to know what things are making an impact what things are not cut the things that are not and focus your energy on the things that are bookkeeping knowing this every month uh, at a minimum every month can tell you those things but you cannot know those things without knowing your numbers um i i, I as you can tell i get a little passionate about this I mean, but i did want to say one, i love it <laughs> one other <laughs> thing so you know we once we have our 1x that's where other things come in like we can I, we have a coaching program to help people build their teams right we were talking about scale if you want to achieve scale you're going to have to build your teams right so there are other things that come come in uh after we know this 1x of course you can build your team if you don't you can you can get started hiring if if you don't you know you don't have to have your bookkeeping in order to to hire somebody although i would suggest you do but um that's kind of how all of these things fit in with that mission awesome well, I mean, I, know, I would love to talk more and to kind of dive into more. But I know we're already up on an hour, which it goes quick. Like I said, live yeah. sessions, they just go quick, especially on topics when you're passionate. Where can people learn more about like either picking your brain and maybe or hear your podcast? Like what are those where are those places that people can learn more information about you? Sure. Well, I'd love if you're if you're listening, if you're watching, if you're curious, I'd love for you to come check out the podcast. Like I said, it's it's all about the true stories, the real stories of building an e-commerce business. Um, and we we had we had you Ryan on. Actually, we did the um, we did an interview with you, and that'll be coming out in a little while. So we'll we'll have stay tuned, uh, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stay tuned. So that's next level e-commerce. Anywhere you get your podcasts, next level e-commerce. Um, yeah, and you've got a link on the screen there, so uh, you can come check us out at our website, summitecommerce.co. Uh, that's where you can find out information about the bookkeeping, about uh, team building. And of course, you can find me, on, I, you've got me tagged here on Facebook and whatever oh, yeah. other plas platforms. All the platforms. We'll just say all of them. <laughs> all of the <laughs> platforms you can find me. I'm always happy to chat. I love talking with people. Um, and I love just hearing hearing stories and finding out where where I can help in any way. I'm always happy to. So feel free to reach out. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, and that was a great story just to understand, like, again, your perspective, your road to, you know, finding people again, building a business or service, especially coming personally of helping people overcome what you didn't, where you felt like there was a need. That's always a really cool story. And you know, roadmap to hear from. So I appreciate you sharing that with our audience. And I know lots of people are asking questions, you know, insights and whatnot. So we appreciate the time and insights as well, because I always love picking brains of shop shippers. Like why, you know, is it the way to go, especially when you want to start on uh, e-commerce or is it private label? That's always the debate is like, how, do, how should you go to scale it? Can you scale it? 
So it's good to hear a perspective from someone who's done it themselves. Isaac, thank you so much for hopping on uh, Crossover Commerce, and we appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. And um, let me know if there's any anything else I can do for you or your audience. I'm always happy to. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And again, uh, everyone, thanks for so much for joining in live on Crossover Commerce. Like Isaac said, everything is tagged in the comments and the uh, show notes below. Go ahead and check out their website. I made sure that I had a link directly to their website as well as to Isaac's social profile uh, links. So go ahead and check them out add him and ask your questions there. If you're watching this later on YouTube, on LinkedIn, or on Facebook, go ahead and put your comments in those sections and tag Isaac or myself. We'll make sure we answer those questions as well. Again, for Isaac Smith, uh, my name is Ryan Kramer. I'm the host of this show, Crossover Commerce. We're only going live three times. I say only. We're going live three times this week. One in the books. We'll come back again on Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day to talk with Tomer David more about product uh, inventory and finding great products on Amazon and finding those diamonds in the rough. And then we'll end the week on Friday. So we'll go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Those are a little bit earlier in the day, 10 a.m. Eastern, um, for those of you who like to catch us live. I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this show. Again, thanks for watching Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next time.